Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life with intentional mastery. Enjoy a survey of inspiring topics such as abundance, intention, health, manifestation, love, and transformation. It's all right here. Leading authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs with stories and messages to support your well-being, let alone your most evocative dreams. Hey, hey, it's another groovy day, and it's a beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. My name is Todd Allen. This is Life Mastery Radio, and today is July 8th of 2014. Goodness, and we just had a heck of a 4th of July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who made it loud, I wonder? That was fun. I'm going to change things up a little bit today. Normally, I open in a certain way, but today I was reading my guest blog, and I read something that really moved me, and I wanted to share that with you. So maybe get situated and relaxed and listen in very close. As we gather today in a symphony of peace prayers... The harmony I'd like to add to our collective music is one in which we remember that the living earth is our mother, and we are all connected. In remembering this, we know that the best way, the necessary way, the most beautiful way to conduct our thoughts, our actions, and our lives is peacefully. When we strive to become peaceful within ourselves and act from that place of peacefulness, when we release our judgments and our resentments and our righteousness, we will be the agents of peace in the world. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Now, if we just take in a deep breath and let that breath out with a big ah, uh, and let your essence out into the universe and connect to that universe. Consciously connect to that and just feel that power and energy. One more time. Ah, uh, there we go. I'm ready to go. Debbie's over there cracking up. Hi, Debbie. Good morning. Good morning. 
I thought we were going to get out of that big eye, but I guess not. No, 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 no. no. That's part of the deal, you know. Oh. What did you think of that opener, though? Wasn't that awesome? That was beautiful. I read that this beautiful. morning, and I was just like, oh, I got to share that. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you did. As always, Debbie is with me today. Debbie is a college writing instructor, award-winning editor, and a life coach. Coach Debbie. CoachDebbie.com, I think. You think right. You think right. CoachDebbie.com is moving and grooving with her ladies mastermind group and we're filling up for september if you have something you would like to bring into fruition and you'd like to dedicate 90 days of working with the community over the telephone you'd be surprised what you can do <laughs> i uh, i turned uh a property into a vacation rental property and I manifested 10,000 bucks in six days. So who would have thought? Who would have thought a little school teacher that never, never really thought that any income was set aside for her could do something like that? And I really did it because I was with a group of women that were all manifesting their own things. We were also studying Gabrielle Bernstein and Robert Holden and Alan Cohen and other leaders that really help us be present and centered. So if this sounds like something fun for you, uh, join us. All you have to do is send me an email, write to Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. You can be anywhere on the globe and join us. And by the way, Debbie is with a Y, D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com. Would love to have you along. Yeah, it's a great support group. And like she said, if you want to bring something into, if you want to manifest something, that's what's point point blanket that way. If you want Mm -hmm. to manifest something Mm -hmm. and you're serious about it, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, our next guest was a real inspiration to me, too. I'm going to do a whole mastermind around manifesting a heck of a blog because she just, I was reading her blog and I thought, wow, now that takes some focus. And I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that kind of focus. And if you go to today's show page at www.lifemasteryradio.net, you'll find all of the links to find our guest today. They're all right there. Just click on them so you don't have to worry about writing anything down today. Okay, you ready to go, sweetheart? I'm ready. Our guest today is Judith Laxer. Reverend Judith Laxer. Reverend Judith Laxer. I didn't put that in my notes. Thank you. Originally from New York, she moved west in 1989 and took a lifelong interest in the study of the psychic phenomena and metaphysics. She began the professional transition from a career in performing arts to one in spirituality. On the summer, summer solstice in 1992, she became a licensed ordained she's, that's the spiritual healers and earth stewards, minister. Since then, she has created and officiated a countless ceremonies and rituals as a minister and priestess. As a teacher, she has been creating and leading classes, workshops, and programs in spiritual development goddess consciousness and psychic awareness since 1993 as a part of her private practice and at spirituality conferences and gatherings nationally she has a new book coming out it's out oh it, it is just out okay came out in along June. the wheel of time judith welcome to the show how are you today my friend i'm well thank you thanks so much for having me on your show yeah, we're excited. Debbie and you have become kind of close friends, and she's just 
Well, she's my little chum. I found her at a. <laughs> I found her. I found Judith. You did I find me. At, I was. I was at one of my favorite conferences a few years ago. Kim Trimmer throws a conference for women every year, and I was there at the Realize Your Radiance and. Up jumps Judith to give us a lovely keynote talk. I thought, wow, I want to talk to her. But it didn't work out. And then the next year, Judith was there talking. I thought, wow, I want to talk to her. And it didn't work out. And then just last year, Judith was there, and I made a beeline for her. And I <laughs> sat did. down and said, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you <laughs> this did. is how it goes. And we became so. fast friends. Yeah, we found out we're just a mile away from each other, and what do you know? What do you know? So you know? Birds of a feather. Mm-hmm. Birds of a feather, is that what you're birds saying? Birds of a feather yeah. flock together. Yeah, we're flying. We're <laughs> flying. <laughs> so, Judith, you have you have quite a story and quite a journey. Maybe give us some of those highlights of, of those parts, going from, I, I assume, an actor on the stage is what I was getting, and then yeah. becoming... Very spiritually connected. Yes. Well, you know, I think the spiritually connected actually happened first um, because I had a lot of psychic experiences as a child, and I I think most children do um, anyway, so I uh, certainly don't mean to corner the market on that, but uh, my experiences were rather extraordinary. And um, so that was kind of the through line throughout my life. Um, But I grew up in a very... Uh, sort of culturally rich family. We lived in New York, and I saw the shows on Broadway, and we were all this, always listening to show tunes and show, you know, albums of the shows and what have you. And I started out life as a dancer, so I did a lot of musical theater, and I had, um, you know, quite quite a lovely career in New York for a while. I did a lot of really great shows and worked with some, you know, kind of famous people and did all of that. Um, but then when I got a little bit older, into my thirties, it was just it was coming to a close for me as far as show business is concerned. I didn't feel like this was all the kind of life that I wanted to be living forever and forever. And I did my last show, and I kind of came home in a heap and didn't know what I was supposed to do next because I'd never trained to do anything else. But I knew that this wasn't it. So I had kind of a dark night of the soul period in there. And uh, But I'd always been sort of dabbling with tarot cards, you know. I'd gotten my first deck when I was a young teenager, 14 or 15, and I had always dabbled with that, always had a deck with me. And, uh, you know, I used to read cards for people backstage, and it was just like this through line. So I came home after my last tour. It was a European tour of Evita. This was in 1990, and I knew it was over. And I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and I pull out my tarot cards to just say, you know, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I'm sitting there just sobbing, feeling really, really lost. And um, all of a sudden, I look at my hands, and in my hands are these cards. And this thought occurred to me. I thought, oh, my goodness, can I earn a living reading tarot cards? And I turned over a card Mm -hmm. to ask, can I? And it was the high priestess. And I swear to you, she winked at me. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So it was, to me, it was a very clear sign from spirit that it was time to embrace my spiritual experiences in a way that was more than just, oh, that was kind of an odd experience, or that was cool, you know, that was interesting, or, hmm, isn't that weird? You know, but it's something that's really viable and something that was actually 
happening through me and quite strongly for just about as long as I can remember. Nice. So that was in 1990, and so that I you know, worked odd jobs just to kind of keep the bread and butter on the table while I built up a kind of private practice doing a lot of psychic fairs and and all that sort of thing. Um, And then in 1998, I left working for, you know, it was the last job I worked for anybody else, you know, and I've been working pretty much for myself ever since. So far, so Mm. good, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Yay. So was there was there somebody that you latched on to to find inspiration and instruction and understanding? No, you know, there really wasn't. But I'll tell you, there was a, a huge turning point when I was 12 years old um, in that my aunt had passed away and she came to me in my dreams. And mm. it really frightened me when I was younger. And but it was very, very real. And This one dream in particular, the first time that she passed, uh, first time she came to me, which was shortly after she passed away. And she passed away, by the way, on her own 50th birthday. Her tombstone Mm. says 1928 to 1978. It was really odd. Um, But anyway, so she came to me in this dream. And in the dream, she asked me to apologize to my mother for something that she had done. And, you know, I really don't remember the specifics of what that was, but I, I, my, my own sobbing woke me up that morning, and I went down to the kitchen where my parents were having their morning coffee, and they said, you know, what's the matter? And, and I said, oh, you know, every day wants me to tell you, la, 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 la. And I finished the story, and they both, you know, blanched, and my, they looked at me like I was a total stranger, and it, it frightened me, but it also let me know that I was tuned into something that most people are not tuned into. So that was a right, real turning point right. for me, you know. And I kind of tried to keep it under wraps for a little while, just because, you know, when you're, especially when you're a teenager in your 20s, you just want to fit in. You want to be normal. You want to be like everybody Anything, else. Yeah. You know? right. um, but as far as, you know, having a mentor in this, I really didn't. And, and when I think about that aspect of it, Todd, that's an interesting question. You know, I've really just forged forward in my life, very self-directed. And I've, you know, read a lot of books and I've done a lot of study that way. But as far as actually working with a mentor, no, that that hasn't really happened until almost very recently. And, you know, with just some, some teachers that I've worked with specific things, But as far as who I am as a priestess, as a minister, as a psychic, even, you know, no, I've just, it's, it's, I really believe that this is not my first life doing this, and so I'm tapping into cellular memory and somehow managing to just follow it and follow that blissfulness, you know, and it's, it's brought me into this beautiful life of doing what I love, you know, I highly recommend it. It sure has. (laughs) I I really, I really hear it in your voice too. And I, I want to tell the callers too. Thank you, Todd, for understanding my sign language there when (laughs) I was (laughs) asking him for our call in number, because while, you know, we do want to fit in when we're younger, but then as you're saying, when we really own our skills, it's time to share them with the world. And we yeah. want our callers to know 
Judith is sitting right there with a deck. I know she is. And yes, she is just ready for you. If you would like to call in toll-free today, we're at one eight seven seven two three zero three zero six two, And you can call in after our break, which is, you know, it's another 15 minutes away. You can call in and... uh Judith will give you the lowdown. And if you don't, I just might have to get my own lowdown. Because I really think that these connections, like you said, Aunt Renee was talking to you. You went to your folks and they gave you that blank stare as if to say, the kid is connected and we didn't know. So... This is pretty interesting stuff. Look, I picked up your word, Todd. Stuff. Pretty <laughs> interesting stuff. And uh, and for whatever it's worth, it just might give you some information that you've been curious about or that you're looking for. I wonder, when you said that the high priestess winked at you, mm. have you had since then, have you had any other winking moments? I've had one other experience where it seemed like the card moved on me, and I was actually, it was in a reading. <laughs> it was in a reading I was doing for someone else, and the um, the Hanged Man card was there, and that's a highly misunderstood card, and it brings up, I think people hate to see the Hanged Man like worse than they hate to see the Death card or the Devil card. It's just, you know, it's... It's it's a very powerful card, and the image is very, very powerful. Of course, the, the hanged man is not hanging by his neck. He's hanging by his foot. And this card, to me, speaks to um, uh, a great transcendence. You know, like when you're between a rock and a hard place, the only thing to do is to transcend the situation. You're not... You're not you're not changing it necessarily. You just have to transcend it. It's like you leave it where it is and you move on. That, I think, is the essence of what that card is talking about. It's a breakthrough card, but it doesn't happen like, oh, I think I'll just make a left turn here and go over here. It usually happens when yeah. you're, you know, in a tough place. And so I'm doing a reading for somebody, and I look at this card, and all of a sudden it turned, like, dimensional, like it was deep, and I could almost walk into the card. And I guess I must have just been staring at it, and I freaked this poor woman out. You know, she was like, what? What? Like, what do you see? You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm just seeing your great transcendence, you know. But that was the only other time. But, you know, because of that experience, when I teach Tarot, I've, I've teach these uh, five-week classes in Tarot. I haven't done one in a while, but I was doing them consistently for a while there. And uh, now part of the, one of the exercises that I do in that class is to have people actually imagine that they can step into the card, look around, mm. see what they see and smell and taste and feel to really learn what the message is from those symbols and images. But that came from my own experience, feeling like, like I could just, like it, it, it was a, like a movie I could step into. It was really strange, but beautiful. Oh, so I'm, yeah. I'm curious, what was the message or what was the, what was, did you ultimately discover what that was about? Well, I think the fact in her reading that that card in particular had that message, it was, and I don't remember the circumstances of that reading, but it was very much talking about how she had to leave a situation that she was involved in. Right. Um, you know, it. that she couldn't, like, stay and fix it or try to work it through. And In fact, now that I say that, I think I'm remembering that she had been trying to work it through, and this was a message that 
you know, sometimes you just got to walk away. And it wasn't yeah. an easy it wasn't an easy walk for her, but um but yeah. Todd has this uh, term, I love it. When he says something's over, he says, you know, peace love out. Yep, peace <laughs> I, love out. I, I love it. I, and I think that's kind of the hangman card. You know, you've tried, yeah. you you've seen it through, but guess what? Yeah. Time time to check out. Yeah. Time to do it different. Yeah. Yeah. But not necessarily easy to do it different. It's it's no. such a journey and this is what really attracted me to Reverend Judith was that, well, you know, I teach the hero's journey and I've kind of switched it up to the heroine's journey, but I saw that in Reverend Judith right away that she had this Mother Earth feminine strong energy and and she was really speaking to the heritage of the aliveness and how we can connect to that. Her book is really, really about that. So would love to transition to the calling of the book. What got you to sit down and write? Well, I uh, let's see. What got me to sit down and write? It, it, it came along this way. I knew that there was a book in me, and so many people have been asking me, my students and clients, and, when are you going to write a book? You should write a book. You should write a book. And I, you know, whenever I went to the bookstores and looked on the metaphysical shelves and even in my own exploration of books that I enjoy reading or have looked at, you know, books for study and research and what have you, I just, I didn't want, there's so many how-to books out there on all the subjects that I feel that I would write about, about, you know, the goddess, about the divine feminine, about ecofeminism, about nature, about the tarot, about the mysteries. There's so many books. And I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to write another how-to book. So for the longest time, there was just nothing really forthcoming. And then one day I realized that there are no stories written about the points on the pagan wheel of the year, which is um, the kind of cyclical model of the passing of time from an earth-based spiritual perspective. And there are no stories to accompany those points, the solstices, the equinoxes, and the cross-quarter days in between. And I thought, oh, now that's something that I could write. Fictional stories that depict characters engaged in their sort of spiritual and magical lives that pertain to those holy Sabbaths, those natural earth holy days, as they go through time. And I thought, you know, I just, in my mind, I said, well, it'll be, you know, just like stories along the wheel of time. And bingo, there it was. So uh, my dear friend, Sonia Lee, who is an amazing author herself, and she's got a book coming out next year, a memoir, magnificent memoir. Anyway, she invited me into her writing group, and I wrote this little book, these uh, eight short stories, a collection of eight short stories, on Tuesday mornings uh, over a year and a half. And mm-hmm. it's just one story after the other. And as I kind of went through the year, I mean, I think we started in September and October. And so I wrote the story for Salen, which we know as Halloween, and the night when we reach between the veil to connect with our ancestors on the other side. I wrote it at that time, and I kind of finished it. And then we came on to the time of Yule, and so I wrote the Yule story. And I just I wrote the stories pretty much as I was going through the year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's important to note that these events that you described, the solstice and, and other things, these were important events. And 
the 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 ancients you know yeah. they they connected with themselves and with the position of the planets and the stars and the moon that's right they and lived their this, lives according to this yeah yeah and it was a big part of their culture and understanding and that's what gave them sustenance and and that's what you know brought them food cuz they really knew what time it was by these events. Right, and they lived so much closer to nature. You know, we are so disconnected from nature yeah. in our culture now, you know. And and I, I don't mean to trash or badmouth bad technology. Um, however, you know, because I, I know how important it is and how beautiful it is. I mean, look, we're, we're talking now, and there are people all over the globe possibly listening to us. So technology is an amazing thing. However, the the emphasis on it to the exclusion of our connection with nature and our just a person-to-person connection with our lives. You know, we just spend mm-hmm. way too much time looking at a screen. And, you know, we just go to the grocery store and pick up whatever it is we want to eat. But the ancients didn't. They had to be connected to nature, to what's going on out there. They were way more connected to the earth. So the longer days, the shorter days, the temperature, how their gardens were growing, this was important part of their lives, you know, and when I talk about this, I, I can almost hear people saying, well, but that isn't my life now. You know, I, I don't have to worry about that. I can go to the grocery store. So why should I be connected to something that the ancients did? Um, and my answer to that is, you know, we are so insular and we're really only thinking of our lives in a way that's very uh, connected just, just to our own experience. But when you look at the big picture of what's going on on this planet, the extinction of species after species, you know, the rainforest being chopped down and the pollution, and now with Monsanto and the GMOs and the herbicides and pesticides. Don't even get me started. Uh, Don't even get me started, you know. So in the big picture, are getting more connected to nature and to the natural ways of the beauty of the Earth and Mother Earth is really crucial to balance what is going on out there. And so I, oh, I hope in some way my little book is, you know, going to help with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know? you know it is. And I, I would really love to talk about this more after the break and just some ways that we can adopt these steps into our life. It, it's surprising how how they are so readily available to us. Yeah. Well, my understanding is, is we don't. It's human evolution that we don't get to know how we don't want to be until we get there, and then we change it, and that's the way it works. (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. But it is is time for a break. We're going to take a little break, and we'll have more with Judith Laxer right after this. stay on top of everything that's happening at contact talk radio there's no simpler way than following us on twitter you'll know what shows are currently playing who the special guests are what topics are being discussed the information is always fresh you can follow us on twitter by going to twitter.com slash ctr network it's easy again that's twitter.com slash ctr network Better living is just a tweet away. We all have amazing talents and knowledge that should be shared with the world. Become a host on Contact Talk Radio and help spread your insight and wisdom. 
help others grow as you grow your business and reach a level of connection far greater than you could reach on your own. Take the first step and learn more by visiting contacttalkradio.com or contact Cameron at 425-221-3646. Continue to spread the word about the importance of conscious living. Did you know that you can rate our shows on iTunes? Yep, you can share your thoughts about the topics, the hosts, and the special guests. You can also leave a suggestion. Then, when you're done, rate the show. The hosts love your feedback, and others appreciate it. So next time you download a show, take a second to leave your thoughts and rate it. Welcome back to Light Mastery Radio. If you've just tuned in, our guest today is Judith Laxor. And Reverend she's Judith Reverend Laxor. Judith Laxor. I should put that in And we've been having a great discussion about all things. Well, I guess it was just the, the beginnings of her that transition. good Mother Earth feminine energy, and it's for men, too. That's yeah. one thing I love about you, Todd, is you get that feminine energy thing. Here's, <laughs> I have a story about that, but you here's do. one thing I found on Judith's website, and this is what it says. Judith treasures her profession and dedicates her work to restoring the balance of feminine and of the fem- of female and male energy to our culture. And, you know... For the benefit of some of our listeners out there, Judith, maybe we should define that feminine energy because I know some people get confused when they hear that. And there, yeah. I know that you have a clear definition of what that is really yes. all about. Yes, I, I think that is true. We do get all hung up on all kinds of things with regard to gender. And I think what happens is, you know, we think feminine and we'll think weak or we'll think passive or we'll think submissive and we'll think masculine, we'll think strong and powerful and, um, you know, and it's, it's really not. What I like to, how I like to think about feminine and masculine energy is in terms of the electromagnetic energy force fields on the planet. Masculine energy is electric. It comes from a source and radiates outward like the sun. And feminine energy is magnetic. It draws to it what it wants, what it needs. So magnetism is no less powerful than radiation. Radiation is no less powerful than magnetism. They just operate in different ways. Radiation comes from a source and moves outward, and magnetism draws from a source toward it. So, wow. So that's how I tend to think of masculine and feminine energies. Then when we think of how they might be embodied, we can think of masculine energy as active, protective um, and, you know, warm, beautiful, just like the golden sun, you know. Um, when we think of feminine energy, we can think of that as compassion, relatedness, um, nurturing. But I don't see them in terms of one is strong, one is weak, one is better, one is worse. So when I, what I mean by bringing balance to our culture between masculine and feminine is we can look at what's going on in our world and we can see that the masculine energies of action and acquisition and sometimes aggression that happens from that is way too much, right? There's just too much conflict yeah. and warfare. And, you know, but the feminine energy of compassion and understanding of nurturance is, you know, it's not valued 
or not as valued, not as 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 valued as masculine energy. And so by empowering the feminine energy, not only in women but in men, um, we're going to help to bring balance back to our culture so that we're not just, um, we're not going on the trajectory we're going on right now. You know, that's what I like. And I, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I have to share that, you know, I was raised a he-man. I was raised a man-man, you know, played baseball, and when I got hurt, I shook it off, and I didn't right. talk about things that were going on in my world, and, you know, on and on and on, everything that is masculine right. in, uh, in, a, in a youth's development. And then in my early 40s, I mean, I was even a United I am a United States Marine, and there's still just that really good part of me that is that. <laughs> but in my early 40s, you know, I discovered this feminine energy and this feminine side and just a huge transition in the way I looked at the world and in my surroundings. I mean, fresh cut flowers were a part of my daily life. And this was just not the old Todd that I knew. And I came to this understanding and it started to really change my life. And then I read something because I was really curious about why this was happening and what this was about. And I read that the ancients believed that a man really didn't come to his spiritual knowledge or his spiritual understanding until he discovered who Sophia was. And then I had to go investigate Sophia and Sophia really was the ancients description of the feminine side of God. Right. So it's that magnetic energy working, huh? Well, and yeah. it's like Judah said, you find that balance, and right. it really right. opens up your entire world. It does open up your entire world. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, that's why we, the men that come to Gaia's Temple, which is the ministry that I founded, are some of the most magnificent men I've ever met in my life. They, they, are, they do not feel emasculated by embracing uh, the divine feminine, an aspect of divinity, that is feminine in nature. They don't feel any less manly because of that. In fact, they are some of the most magnificent men because they are yeah. so balanced, because they're seeking that, because they, they seek to protect that beautiful... See, this is where the masculine protectiveness is just so beautifully brought to bear in protection of women as opposed to, you know, dominating them. It's just, yeah. it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And and likewise, I, I, I want to make sure that we note that the, the, the same is for women it, and when they maybe discover and develop that masculine side and bring into balance. I mean, there's a huge transition there with their understanding huge, of their reality. Huge transition, yes. I mean, I think that happens for women in a couple of different ways. I think also, you know, goddess worship or the concept that there is the divine feminine is very empowering for women because, you know, for centuries and centuries and centuries we have not been empowered at all. So, you know, that's a huge step forward for women to recognize that we're not, as we've been taught, you know, the bringers of original sin and the problems with the world or that we're not valuable and our voices don't matter and our thoughts and feelings don't belong and, you know, all of the things that we've been taught for so, so long. So the Divine Feminine really helps women find their power that way. But then also you are correct in that when we find what is active in us, where our passion lies and the actions we want to take with regard to that, when we start speaking up and speaking our truth and making sure we're heard, um, it's, it's extraordinarily transforming. It's, it's beautifully yeah. transforming. You know, I've worked with a lot of women 
um, teaching about the goddess and their own personal sense of empowerment and to see the transitions that have taken place, the, the choices they've made, the actions they've taken. They've done everything from, you know, find true love for themselves to getting their tr- careers going, finding their own calling, uh, raising their sons and daughters differently. Just, you know, their self-esteem has risen. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. But they've... So I always like to ask my guests then about testimonials or is there a story, you don't have to name names or anything, but of of a transition that occurred that that really stands out for you and somebody that you've worked with? I can tell you about somebody just very recently in the recent program that I just taught. This woman has been working for um, a school. She's a teacher. Um, and she's been work- and her boss has been, or the, the, yeah, her boss, I guess is the way you would call him, has been not only callous, but demeaning. And just, I mean, the stories go on forever about how she's been undervalued, underpaid, underappreciated. And, but because of who she is, what a wonderful woman she is in her heart, she cares so much about the work that she does, that the hours she puts in that are unpaid and the way she treats her, treats her students and how they love her, you know, this has just gone completely unappreciated for a long time. So she just came through my recent program called 13 Moons with Her, which is about learning about the different goddess archetypes. And at the end of the year, she gave her notice. She sought other work. They, the other people who have heard about her in the industry, uh, it's not actual like public school teaching. It's a specific type of teaching that she does. And they grabbed her up. They couldn't wait to hire her. They couldn't believe she was becoming available. And her life has completely shifted. She's making like almost twice what she was making before. Actually, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure she's making twice, but significantly more money. They're working with her, what hours do you want, as opposed to, <laughs> you'll, you know. And that comes Here's directly from her work, recognizing yeah. her own self-worth. And that happened through her understanding of the Divine Feminine. Nice. Yeah, I believe it. I, I really have watched so many people go through this. And after having my own experience of, of stepping extremely into both sides, you know, you know, being so far in the feminine that I... I couldn't be effective because I, I had this needy quality and then being so far in the masculine, I couldn't be affected because I, I had this control quality, right. you know, finding where is that balance? How does mm-hmm. this work? And then starting to lead people in it. It's, it's so exciting. You know, when a woman comes to you and, and you see her approaching, but more than anything, you see the metaphor of the suit and tie on her and you say, you know what? We're going to strip that down to the real yeah. you because yeah. she lives in there and she's right. powerful right. and and she's not artificial. She really works in this world. She is a divine feminine leader. Let's go get her. Yeah. And. It's, it's so exciting and it's, it's really exciting to watch men too that are, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're just hanging out in the righteous wing or they're, they're just doing things from an old cultural training and right. then you hear that, yeah, they, you hear that compassionate side start to come in yeah. and they don't look weak no. and they don't look, you know, beaten down. They just look like they're standing in this true self place. They're, they're making eye contact. They're yeah. whole. It's they're whole. Holding. And it's yeah. beautiful. 
It is beautiful. And, you know, Debbie, I think that's also about, um, that's part of what happens as you age, and hopefully hopefully not just that you age, but that you mature. You know, there's something about mm-hmm. living longer, um, like you said before, you know, you just, you get, or Todd, you said before, you know, and then I got into my 40s, and I realized, you know what, hold on a minute here, you know, is this really how I want to be living? There's There's got to be... There's got to be more, and it takes a certain level of maturity, I think, to not care so much about societal's, um, you know, constructs that we're supposed to fulfill, and just really mm-hmm. look at what is authentic for ourselves. And part of that is in the exploration beyond what we already know, and then the courage to try it on and and walk it, walk mm-hmm. the talk a little bit, and see how it fits, you know. How it fits is really, really important. We were talking about that a little bit before the break. How does all this energy fit? And I, I think we can on a daily basis really bring, bring in these qualities. For, for example, one of the ways I remember being taught to feel connected, you, you had said, you know, technology is a great thing because it allows us to talk to right. Sweden and New Zealand and Greece today. However, we've, we've got to also stay local. And, you know, one thing I noticed, oh, some years ago, and, and I had friends help me was how different, how, a, a totally different experience I had when I went to get my food at the farmer's market compared to when I went to a gigantic conglomerate uh, grocery store. Right. And I really, and now I'm lucky to live coastal in Seattle where Mm -hmm. I can do this all the time. But at at the same time, there are many, 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 many opportunities to experience this no matter where you live, it might not be a farmer's market, it might be something else, but it is great to shake the hand of the man that made your cheese. Yeah. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah. Talk about true. connection. Yeah, and and just, you know, and just connection in an authentic way, no matter what it is, look up into the eyes of the person who just, you know, took your check at the grocery store. It makes them eye contact. We're just like we don't even want to yeah. look at each other anymore. We just want to look at our telephones. It's, we got to knock that off. Oh, it's really it. It has me very worried for the future. It has me very worried for our children. Like, how are these yes. children going to learn the beauty of intimacy and how yes. beautiful intimacy is when they're just learning how to swipe a a screen before they learn how to write a letter on a piece of paper anyway. Ah. Yeah, you know, that is so funny because I just witnessed this situation at the mall the other day and it took everything I had to not intervene. But it was a father. He was he was on his phone and clearly it was his daughter speaking and she was saying, but dad, I really I would really like to see this movie because I think the story is important. He's saying, yeah, I don't I don't think we have time today, but he's not looking at her. He's yeah. looking at his phone. Right. And she's saying, but dad, we just learned in school, mm. blah, 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 blah. And this movie is about that. And he's like, look, you should have planned it different. We don't have time. And I'm thinking, would you look at your daughter? Would yeah, you, talk, you, you know, I. <laughs> Yeah. I really, I wanted to grab him by the shoulders and say, knock that off. She's talking to you. <laughs> but, um, you know, but we, we find other ways to help the message come through. Thank yeah. God for a radio show. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
And that's a lot of what I talk about in Gaia's Temple, too, you know, month after month, just about, you know, trying to stay authentic and connected to the earth and to nature and to each other, you know, because there's not very many places where you're asked to do that or reminded to do that. You know, we just, we need it. We need it so much. Oh, my goodness. We have just about 10 minutes left. No, we don't. Wow. Really? Wow. I know. Wow. We're going to have to have Judith back. I I have a feeling we'll have Judith back because there's so much great things to talk about. But is there something that is trying to flow through you now that the listeners need to hear or something that you want to share? Hmm. Let's see. Um. Well, you know, I, you know, the, the message that's, that's uh, kind of rattling around in my brain right now is what I'm going to be writing about this week because I offer my service in Guy's Temple on Sunday. And it's the time of the year that's closest to the Sabbath called Lunasa, which is on August 1st or August 2nd, depending on where it falls in the calendar. And it's the time of the first harvest. But at the same time that we're harvesting, we're also recognizing that, you know, when we, when we take that apple off the tree, so that we can eat it and enjoy it, we're actually, in a way, giving death to the apple. And so there is an interesting sort of polarity or dichotomy, I'm not quite sure which word to use, but it's, it's, it's a bit of both, where, where it, it demonstrates that there is a sacrifice that's going on in order for life yeah. to continue, you know. When I take my peas in from the garden, you know, I'm just so happy to steam them up and have them for dinner, and yet, I've really, in a way, given death to those peas, and they have sacrificed themselves. If you can think of peas having a consciousness, that <laughs> which I I believe they do, um, you know, mm-hmm. in order so that I may be nourished and continue to live. So, I guess the message that is kind of rolling around in me right now is, you know, what what are the sacrifices that we make for the betterment of the whole? You know. The plants do it all the time. Nature gives to us constantly, and she renews herself. And if we recognize that when we make sacrifices for the greater good, um, we'll also experience a sense of renewal. But in the moment of that sacrifice, we're only experiencing the loss. Anyway, these are the thoughts that are kind of rattling around about what I want to talk about this Sunday. No, you know, I think that's really great, and and that's where... The blessing of a meal comes from, and, yes. and and Jesus taught that. And you know, if you look at ancient cultures, especially Native Americans and ancient cultures all throughout the world, you know, live game was their substance, their yes. sustenance. And yes. but when that animal was brought down, it was blessed and honored, and and right. and there was thanksgiving for that because it it was a transformation mm-hmm. that that energy of that life now became consumed and and the cycle continued so i think it's important to note that you know something else i was thinking about too was you know the 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 connecting with the divine feminine and that feminine energy is really non-denominational and if you look at some of the denominations not all of them but some of them in the meat and potatoes or the very roots of it those teachings are there yeah, I, I think so. I think there's been just centuries of propaganda that have sort of kind of tossed them aside, but I do think at the roots they are there, and I think that there's a great resurgence of 
the understanding of the divine feminine that's happening now. You're right, it's not happening in all religions or all houses of worship, but I have noticed in, in some of them, or I'm hearing tell, you know, some I've experienced myself when I go to visit, and some I hear where, you know, they'll saying, uh, you know, Father and Mother God instead of just Father God. You know, so the divine feminine is kind of slowly awakening and <clears throat> permeating uh, just the culture again, which I just think is, is so crucial, so necessary. It makes it makes me so happy, so very. Yeah, happy. it's bringing bringing balance back in. Yeah. So I want to make sure you have some events coming up, some book <clears throat> signings, and your your book is available on Kindle too, or will be. It's available. Yeah, the Kindle. book was published on June second. It's available on Amazon. Oh. You can get it in Kindle form, or you can actually buy a print book. It's also available on Barnes and Noble online. But uh, it also would be great if you want the book to go to your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you, you know. That would be wonderful. Nice. Uh, but that's the way to get it immediately. And then also in the Seattle area anyway, and um, I'm looking out a little bit to some other places too. I'm in the process of seeing about getting some uh, readings, book readings up in Vancouver and down in, um, up in Vancouver, Canada and down in Portland. But in the local area of Seattle, I've got a couple of dates coming up on July 31st at Edge of the Circle Books on Capitol Hill at 7 p.m. I'll be doing a reading, and I'll be happy to sign books there as well. And then on September oh, nice. 19th, and I'm, I'm kind of gauging this. I've booked them according to the Wheel of the Year, and I'll be yeah. reading little snippets from each story that corresponds. And then on uh, September 19th, I'll be up at Matajong's Herbals, which is on Hewitt Avenue in Everett at 7 p.m. And then East West Books on October 17th. And uh, that one is close to uh, Samhain or Halloween, and we're going to be doing a uh, ritual to the ancestors as well there. So nice. I might have to be there coming. for that. Yeah, then we have a good time with that. It's beautiful. So entice me just a little bit briefly, Judith, entice me just a little bit to purchase that book. What what will I find? What will I discover? You will find a collection of eight short stories in the genre of magical realism. And each story corresponds to one of the seasonal transitions on the wheel of the year. And what they show or how what you learn from them are how regular everyday people can experience the magic of connecting to nature. Now, some of it is a little bit more fantastical than that because it is magical realism after all. So, you know, you've got lots of creative license there. Um, mm -hmm. But you can find different ways, simple ways really, w without, you know, like I said, it's not a how-to format. It's in a story form of how people connect with nature and how their lives are enriched by having done that. So, uh friend of mine, after she read the book, said, you know, it was like this great combination of like ancient practices, but how they are lived kind of in modern day. And that was really good for me to hear because that's what I was shooting for, you know, to bring what was ancient and old and steadfast and nature connected into modern times. And how might we uh, utilize those sort of magical connections and practices in our everyday lives here and now. Nice. So these are yeah. these are fictional stories, yet they have some factual truth behind what yes, they Yes, but meant. some of them do come from my experience. Some of the magical aspects in these stories are, are from my own personal experience, you know, that I just was able to utilize, which was a lot of fun <laughs> for oh, me, yeah. you know. 
It's that metaphor. Metaphor is a teacher. Mm-hmm. And boy, does it work through these stories. I, I, I jumped right ahead to our season because I, I wanted to feel the richness of summer coming through. And mm-hmm. what a joy. Thank you. Thank you for putting it in Kindle version too, because, um, I, I'm one of those people that kind of resists. I, I want everything in print, but right. I have to admit it, it really is handy at times to have that Kindle feature. So thank oh, you for sure. giving the AOK. Yes, yes, I'm glad. I, th- I, I think I, I'm, I'm feeling the calling to go and get a signed copy. Oh, yes, well, you should absolutely. She... I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> she's going to be just down the street from your shop on Hewitt. She's going to be just down the yeah. street from my place in, in uh, East West Books. I love going there. Oh, yeah. I love it, love it. Thank you so much for for being with us today, Judith. This has been wonderful. Did you tell us exactly where your congregation meets in North Seattle? No, oh, I yeah. did not, um, but I will be happy to do so. So Gaia's Temple meets at the George Center for Community, which is at 2212 Northeast 125th Street, 125, 125th Street in Lake City. And we meet on the second Sunday of every month, so that's coming up this Sunday, July 13th. And the doors open at 9.30. The service starts at 10 o'clock. Everyone is welcome, men, women, and children. And we've got a lovely congregation of warm-hearted, earth-loving, beautiful people. And the service, like I said, the theme, I'm calling this service an act of faith. And the theme is about the first harvest and how that connects to the concept of sacrifice. And then... I'm um, going. Yeah, we've got beautiful music also, gorgeous songs. You know, the music is a huge part of the service for me. And uh, I actually, you know, my, my first prop, my first step in creating the services each month is to select the music. And then the text is written around what those songs are. So it's quite beautiful. Right on. Awesome. Well, thank you, ma'am, for being on the show today. And thank I have you a so much that- for having me. Yeah, we're definitely going to have you back. There's so much to talk about, so much cool stuff going on in the world, and I really appreciate your message and what your message has for people on their life mastery journey. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Debbie. Mm -hmm. Mm, Make it a great day. Any takeaways, Debbie? Oh, where do I start? (laughs) Where do I start? This is your heroic journey. If you're in town, come to the temple. If you're not, go to Kindle, get your book, and... You know, step into that feminine energy. Take a look at how that balance is shaken down in your life. That's yeah, a groovy that's way. That's my takeaway. There you go. That's about all we have for today. I hope you got some great thoughts and ideas for your life mastery journey. And you can go to today's website and follow the links to Judith. And she'll definitely enlighten and enliven your world, at least with some different thoughts and ideas. That's it. Make it a great day. And remember, it's all about choice. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life. For more information on Todd and his guests, visit his website at www.lifemasteryradio.net. That's www.lifemasteryradio.net. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 